0: Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Ice Wrong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for You Anytime, Anywhere. And today is Wednesday, August the 4th, and we study and pray the inspired and true word of God and put on our Christ goggles with Psalm 6. And this is a lot of fun as we have been going back and forth through the Psalms, going to Psalm 150 and Psalm 1 and 149, down to Psalm 2, as I am always one to kind of forget and to lose track or to lose focus. And so I never get to Psalm 150. So I decided to go back and forth in that way. And especially for us, so that we pray. I mean, how many times do we just sit down and make sure we're focused in our prayer life? We're we're digging into the scriptures, making sure that we're focused on the right thing. And so today in Psalm 6 is known as a penitential psalm where David leads us where the Lord, he asked the Lord for deliverance from anxiety and gives us words when we are anxious and maybe not the most happy with where God has placed us. Are you weary in grief, weak, languishing, or in trouble? This psalm is for you, so let's get praying, church. The gifts are ready, ready for you. Thy Strong Word is graciously underwritten by our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. For more information on their great work around the world, visit lhfmissions.org, lhfmissions.org helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning. We welcome Pastor Matthew Worm of Mount Calvary Lutheran Church in Brookings, South Dakota. Pastor Worm, welcome to Thy Strong Word.
1: Well, thank you very much, Pastor Finner. It's uh, very good to be on here on Thy Strong Word again. And I pray that all the listeners uh, now and in the future are strengthened uh, in the comfort and the confidence we have in our Lord's words of promise for us, the words he puts in our mouth.
0: Amen to that. Pastor, this is our first time together on Thy Strong Word, Um, and we've spent a lot of time together. We are friends. Sometimes you've said we've spent too much time together. That's kind of awkward sometimes, but we have. Um, But it's it's a joy to be with you and hear your voice again, Pastor. Can you introduce yourself, your family, and the work of the saints at Mount Calvary?
1: Sure, I'd be happy to do so. Um, So I've I've been a pastor now, I guess, for, I don't know, 13, 14 years, Uh, and don't work very good with numbers. I've been at Mount Calvary here in (laughs) In the great state of South Dakota, in, in Brookings, South Dakota, over in the eastern part of the state. Pretty close to Minnesota, not too far from Amen. Um, Amen. And the uh, <laughs> Lord's uh, given me a great wife and uh, six kids along the way. The last came as a double, and uh, so I'm still <laughs> recovering from from that. But uh, by God's grace, we're, we're doing good. So I kind of, you know, my pastoral task uh, it is, has, um, is seen, I think, or I, I see it in, through a different light and that's through the light of fatherhood and uh you know it's kind of the my stage in in life these days and some of that might come out in our uh, in our discussion and our musing upon uh, the benefits and the blessings of psalm 6 for us
0: That 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 is wonderful. One of the one of the the great joys you have when, especially in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, but also just in the in the church and brothers and sisters in Christ, is that you find these connections that are everywhere. And I remember this, Pastor Worm, that when I I believe it was for vicarage, my vicarage assignment, my father came and he was sitting by. This is in St. Louis Concordia Seminary. He was sitting by the quad and just sitting there. And you happened to walk by. I don't know if you remember this or not. And happen to walk by my dad starts starts talking to you and says, Who are you? Oh, I'm Matt Worm. And he says, Worm, I know a worm, and this goes way back to the seventies, where our fathers served in the same circuit in Illinois. So that's one of those cool things that we had a connection. Do you remember this conversation? Yeah,
1: I do, and I remember being sort of embarrassed by it, you know. Afterwards, <laughs> <Our laughs> dads are telling these old stories and 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 and, and whatnot, and they kind of really hit it off. And uh, I got introduced yeah. to you a little bit more, and then even more through doxology. And maybe my comment about us spending too much time together is that you're good with words and putting them <laughs> together in sentences. And
0: <laughs>
1: so, so the oh, you man. have is, the as the host of thy strong word right, words, putting them together, is very fitting for you.
0: So God well, thank you. It. Thank you. That's why we're excited to have you on here as well. Just a reminder to our listeners, to what a joy it is in the body of Christ to be connected, and you never know when you'll be connected again and the Lord brings us together, which is why we believe he's brought us together this morning. So, Pastor, as our Lord leads us this morning, can you begin our time in prayer?
1: I sure can. Heavenly Father, you have given your name and you have placed your name upon us and the promises you have granted to us in the water and word of holy baptism. And so we call upon your name repeatedly and often uh, for mercy, for grace, for you to hold true to your promises that you have done uh, through the word made flesh, your son, Jesus Christ. So let us always uh, receive your word, uh, both written, preached, and taught uh, with an eye towards the cross that we might receive and gain all confidence for this life and the life to come through the work, through the life, through the death, the resurrection, the ascension of your Son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. If you have any questions for us concerning Psalm 6, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. Or also you can call us, 1-800-730-2727, 1-800-730-2727, or 314 821 fifty. And with that, I really encourage you to ask questions this morning. Pastor Worm always does his homework and always has the right words also in his repertoire to lead us today. So send us an email or call us with any questions you might have. Pastor Worm, I wanted to start in this way is the Psalms are vital to the life of the church. They're something that we we have in our worship services. There's something that we will hear in song quite often. Sometimes, you know, with a, a, a certain liturgical aspect, or you'll hear it even at camp. You know, I went to camp, I worked at camp, and you have a lot of psalms there. Or just certain parts of the liturgy um, that we will hear throughout our days. And tell, tell I want to ask you this. As a pastor, why is it important that we—why why why are the psalms important to us as Christians and the church?
1: Uh, because in the psalms, the Lord gives us 150 prayers. Uh, that he desires us to speak back to him and uh, you know in the evangelical uh you know crowd out there um in the, in the church it's uh hear a lot of conversation words about your relationship with god how's your relationship you got to renew your relationship with god when did you come to faith and relationship with god things like that and um we don't necessarily have that in our lutheran tradition and, and background we speak Kind of more of uh, in familial terms i guess as god mm. being our father so that's the relationship of us being brothers and sisters in christ uh, uh, we got this um you know model of sort of the church's family in the new testament is uh as well we have the example of the early christian church you know um uh, being very close and small and kind of house churches especially during the per- time of persecution but anyway um, you know, so when you're thinking of relationships, uh, family relationships, friend relationships, different things like that, it's really hard to have any level of a relationship if you don't talk to somebody, you know. Um, if you have a long-distance relationship with someone that your heart says, well, maybe someday I'd like to marry, you know, him or her, um, it, you, you have to converse, right? Uh, you can't just stare at each other. Um, you can't, you know, put uh, image-adjusted uh, uh, pictures, you know, that you can do, I guess, these days for different apps, um, you know, it just doesn't cut it for the reality. So the reality of of, uh, of the relationship that God has set forth in the order of it um, is this. He says, I want to talk to you. And then here's my words that I want to talk to you uh, about. And this is my message for you. It's wrapped up in the account of salvation in, in Holy Scripture. And uh, and if you have trouble uh, with finding the right words to say in this conversation about uh, the, the wonderful things of, of this universe and where you fit within this universe here upon this little plane called the world, and and how this is ordered between you and your fellow man, you know, horizontally, and where you you fit in the place of the universe between uh, material and immaterial between uh, you and and, and me, uh, who gives his son into the flesh into material to save the material of your flesh. So all of this is 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 fleshed out like literally fleshed out in God's word, uh, in the presence of his son, Jesus Christ. And still in, in his sacraments, it's you know tangible and, and real. So um, so I, the, the, the relationship is, all the, the conversation, the words of the relationship between us and God and fellow man is outlined and structured um, very much so in the Psalms. And as we get into this Psalm, you, you have uh, the, this um, um, realization of a person being both body and soul, so you're not just you know, material, and that's it. When you die, you just poof, gone. Um, But there's this acknowledgement of the eternal uh, soul, the immortal, right, Um, as -hmm. well. And so we have uh, God in the Psalms uh, defining and giving us the words to explain, to understand, and to speak back to him about who he is, about who we are, and uh, our place before fellow man and our place before him, God Most High, creator of the universe.
0: I really like how you put it that our place in the universe, if you will, and the universe not as some kind of godly figure. If you listen to language in modern culture, they will say, like, the universe has decided. Jim Carrey had a a graduation speech somewhere, I don't know where, but I was listening to it and I was quite annoyed that everyone was excited about it, because he said, the universe has chosen me to be a comedian. And you're like, well, okay, who is this universe you're speaking of? But when you put it in the right light, like you did, is that we are part of the universe. Why? Because I was created by God. And our relationship is based upon the Creator as opposed to the, some kind of weird spiritual universe. And He, as the Creator of the universe, for whatever reason, um, out of grace, has given us the words to have a conversation with Him. That's why I love how you really put that together in a, in a wonderful way. You must have a college nearby. What's the South Dakota State that's teaching you all these good words?
1: Uh, yeah, South, yeah, SDSU. <laughs> I don't know if they teach that. <laughs> i've been taking a class there and well kind of well over over a decade
0: you know there you go. we
1: got to get to the text here eventually um <laughs> but an interesting you'd say uh, about the the universe and you know you go around these days and i was on vacation out in uh, idaho and you know you kind of actually got a time chance to sit on the beach and people watch, and you know and at the store and the market and other things and um of course i had watch my kids to keep them alive as well but I, I saw so many um like the all-seeing eye tattoos um which is um mm-hmm. you know a symbol of the universe the all-seeing eye of of the universe and so it's kind of a sign of this this new resurgence of uh of a pagan form of religion and and that the the um the deception of it is is that you know, there's this acknowledgment of a higher power out there. You just they maybe don't know how to define it. hasn't been revealed to them by God's word. Um, but, but they know it's there. And so they're acknowledging uh, the created as the creator. Um, so it's, you know, still idolatry. But kind of bringing it into our text here with Psalm 6 is that um, I'm reading this, this book that came out uh, last November by Carl Truman, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And uh, I don't know if you've seen this book mm-hmm. yet, but I'll, I'll, no. I'll encourage you to read it and, and discuss it. I'm doing a little book study with some other pastors on it. Carl Truman, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And so in it, it, it tries to answer the question of, of how we have lost our identity as, as humans. And, and we see, um, you know, sex and gender as, as being this malleable thing that can change, you know, even from, from day to day. And, and, and lost our mooring, lost our, our place in the order of god's creation and and i think that this this psalm and the psalms in general scripture period uh when it's revealed to us shows us our identity gives us confidence in in who we are and in whose we are and our place before god our relationship our words our conversation our confidence before him how we are to act and and speak to him as as a psalmist gives us words that are very direct (laughs) you know to speak to god uh in in this prayer and, um, and, it, and it grants so much confidence uh, and joy for no matter what, what comes in the world. And I, and I pray that uh, um, thy strong word, the Lord's strong word, will go out unbound and unhindered through this program and through the preaching and teaching of uh, other many very faithful uh, pastors and, and you know, laity, for that matter, too, in their conversations with friends and neighbors.
0: Well, let's get into the text, and I think this is important for us to ask the question, what does this tell you about our relationship with a gracious God? Because these words are, like I said in the beginning, a penitential psalm. So I like how you put that. What does that put us in our relationship with God, and what do these words tell us about how our Lord sees us? We're going to pray it. So to, uh, Psalm 6, we're going to pray it, and I'm going to end with a Gloria Patri at the end. So let us join in prayer, Psalm 6. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Amen. As we hear these words, Pastor, as I mentioned, it is a penitential psalm, um, one of the penitential psalms, and it's quite telling as you hear these words about major themes. So any any thoughts of, of David writing this, some major themes, or other anything else that will help us out this morning?
1: Um. I, I guess I would, as I was thinking about the psalm and preparing, I was uh, thinking about um, Luther's formation of a theologian, oratio, uh, meditatio, tentatio, which is uh, Latin for prayer, oratio, on uh, God's word. Psalm here is a prayer. Um, uh, meditatio, um, the meditation, the study of, of God's word, the dwelling upon it, the, the eating of it, if you will, the chewing of it, the chewing of the cud, the, uh, um and then and then tentatio um which also comes across in this other German word that we learned about Angfektum which is the struggle the trials the uh the pressure um the you know the increase of the blood pressure uh you know your your mm. neck getting red your palms getting sweaty um and you know drenching your couch with tears uh you know flooding your bed uh pouring out your heart uh, before God and 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 just not you know the, the the mental the the physical or the mental and the, the spiritual stress, this angfektun, this pressure put against mm-hmm. us uh, has has a physical um, you know effects to it as well, and so I think what I'll do is I'll maybe take a kind of overarching higher look at the psalm and then we'll get in into the weeds mm-hmm. kind of going verse by verse if if that's okay mm-hmm. yeah so it kind of in as I was reading through it and, and thinking about it some more and and how uh, the, the motifs of the psalm are used else, elsewhere in Scripture, especially by, by Jesus. And you know the uh, the maxim we have is all Scripture points to Christ. Um, even these <laughs> this morning, my morning devotion for the Treasuries of Daily Prayer was uh, David uh, being challenged by Saul. Saul wanted to get rid of him. He said, oh, go out and get a hundred foreskins, and you can have my well, list, and you can have my daughter as your as your wife." yeah you know, trying to do it David already, and David gets two hundred you know by by god's power, and I was just thinking, man, I bet those Philistines are really you know shocked and mad it's just anyway um yeah the uh, uh so you have you have David who is this great uh, you know warrior of of many things, but you know I guess even you know david uh killing his philistines and and giving this this um you know, bounty to Saul for his daughter's life. We used to even say that that points to Christ. I haven't exactly fleshed that mm. out, uh, pun, mm. pun intended.
0: <laughs> right, yeah, uh, hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> but regardless, all this points to Christ. And so we, we have the, uh, David in the Psalms here expressing this tension, this anxiety, this panic, um, this uh, God seeming to forsake him. And then you have Jesus on, on the cross as well um saying now is my soul vexed now is my tro- my soul troubled and what shall i say you know father save me from this hour but no for this hour i, I have come you know jesus says as he's he's a point uh, approaching the cross we we've seen the passion of of our lord jesus christ as he is uh as he's betrayed as he's beaten as he's mocked as as god the father forsakes him turns his back on him all the way uh so that we um, those who have been baptized into the righteousness of Christ have, have that that beauty, that garment, that perfection, that righteousness put upon us, that we might never say, I'm forsaken by God, because Christ has been forsaken in our stead, and he gives us full right, full right to the Father. And so we, we, we meditate, right, Oratio, tentatio meditatio, we meditate upon Jesus's action in our stead, his substitutionary work for us in his suffering and his death, in his You know his panicking and his 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 tears, his sweat blood you sweat blood, um, the night he was betrayed there in the garden because of the um, you know the torment that was upon his soul, and and so we can read the psalm and go through the the trials in our life, uh, with with the words of scripture put upon our lips to point the finger squarely at the devil, for he is our adversary, um, who attacks us in body and in soul, attacks the world around us and um and we can triumphantly speak w- with Jesus as well to say that um uh, this death is is not the end, this trial is is not the end. uh death has no claim on me for i I'm baptized into Christ and I shall rise again. the devil has no no claim on me. Um, so, so we, we we so we see Jesus' experience in um in his life, right as we go through the count of the passion we experience our own tune our own struggles our own panicking of our of soul and body of our stress upon our lives and and we realize that our experience is wed with the with the experience of Christ and mm-hmm. so his promise God's promise to him is our promise that he will uh, not let his holy one see decay um that that Jesus will be raised again, and we too shall be raised again. The devil has no claim on us. As Christ has crushed Satan underneath his foot, so uh, do we through Christ crush Satan underneath um, our feet. As Christ suffered and rose again, I may suffer, but I'm going to rise again too. So our experience... is Jesus' experience, and his story is our story, and our story uh, becomes his story. So we have identity, kind of looping back around to this, where do I fit in in the world uh, before God and before fellow man? Do I have to make an identity for myself that might change on the whims of my heart kind of from day to day? Our identity is all wrapped up in in Christ and what he has done for us and who he has made us uh, and in his promises to us.
0: Now, as we look at that, that is very helpful because there's an underlying uh, identity that we know in this psalm for us to be able to look and see Christ. I mean, that's this really something that um, Dr. Seleska, when we started our study in the psalms, really hit on that identity. This is who it is. This is who we are. This is what we're feeling. And I love how you pointed us to saying this is exactly what Jesus felt, uh, this is him in the garden, this is him on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, these kind of words, not only do we feel it, but then we have the comfort of knowing that Christ has felt it as well. So, Pastor, I want to do this. I want to go through the first three verses and break it down a little bit before our break and, and uh, continue to hear more about this relationship that, you, that you're speaking of today. So, verses one through three. Oh Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? I saw this; these three, verse, three verses titled as a, pl- a prayer, a plea for mercy. And for me, I can re-feel what David is going through um, in a sense. And so what, what what did you find in these first three verses?
1: Um. I'll just back up kind of one step. In in the Hebrew text, uh, verse 1 is actually this little uh, preface that we have to the choir master with the stringed instrument according to the Shemineth, the Psalm of David. Uh, You you know, uh, I'm I'm always kind of intrigued by these weird things, I guess. But a Shemineth (laughs) is an eight-stringed instrument. And, you know, scholars really don't know what it is, but maybe it's something like a, a violino cello. Um, so, mm-hmm. like a, a big violin or a, a small cello. Either way, it's eight-stringed instruments. And and so our liturgical practice, like in LSB, we have the psalm notes or the psalm tones. I mean, this mm-hmm. goes all the way back to way way with We're talking three thousand plus years ago, and and we still have that that vestige today. So uh, so this would be um, you know sung in the the regular liturgical life and, and worship of of Israelites. Um, and then the early church as well, and we continue on in that strain. So there's one voice that we share with a whole host of of saints in glory who have who have gone before us. Um, and, and so even though you might be speaking and praying this psalm within the you know the confines of your home, right, maybe in your closet, wherever it might be, um, you are joined with millions of other faithful uh, who have prayed and have spoken, who have sung these words. Before you, too, so regardless of how you feel, you're never alone, right um in this in this family of God, in this body of Christ, okay, so getting to the first verse here, mm-hmm. um, oh Lord, so we we have a refrain, uh what five times here, well four times, I guess, in the first three verses of Yahweh of uh, of O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, O Lord, for I am languishing, heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled oh lord how long and you know we still have that uh today in virtually every form of you know domination tradition of christian prayer uh where you have the, the reference to the lord 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 um mm. you know we have it in our prayers lord have mercy christ have mercy lord have mercy we respond uh with that as well but it, in, you just even that response is a confession of the relationship between us and god so if you don't believe in god if you you don't uh, call upon jesus says i'll call upon the name of the lord to be saved um so just even the the confession of god's name in prayer uh is in um, a confession or an acknowledgement of of our relationship as as his children as he is our father um as he is god over us his, his chosen people so um Verse one here, we got maybe a number of synonyms. You know, do not rebuke me in your anger, condemn, punish, reprove, rebuke, uh, chasten, discipline, uh, correct me. But it emphasizes that you know, don't do these things against me, O Lord, uh, in your anger, or your wrath. I know who you are. You're God most high. You've created the universe. You could just you know, snap your fingers and wipe me out. Uh, you know, uh, the building could fall down upon me. Um, you kind of meditate on what happened down in 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 text. Um, in florida over the last number of, of weeks you just never know and so you pray for god in in his anger uh not to not to do these things but you acknowledge that he has the power to do these things and along with that um you know him rightly as judge for all of our sins against him against our fellow man he probably should you know take away my next breath but um with that acknowledgement we plead for him right in, in verse two to be gracious according to his character to have pity to have hesed. Uh, this, this great concept in the Old Testament of, of mercy, of graciousness, of pity, um, that is really hard to wrap up kind of in one, you know, certainly English word. But uh, the, the Hesed, the mercy of the Lord, kind of encompasses all of the action of God uh, from creation, the fall, uh, to, to the promise of a Savior, to delivering the Savior uh, through his birth and his passion, his death, and his resurrection. This, this whole account of, of God's acting in accordance with who he is, of, of his character. And his character is to have mercy, um, uh, to, to constantly forgive people who you know, literally whore against him with other gods, you know, in the land of Cain and time and, and time again. Um, and so um, and in verse 2 there, we have this, this prayer for, uh, for healing, Um, for my bones are troubled i'm in languish and it's it's a connection of a physical illness to to kind of sin and guilt in the psalms um and some voices personally experience this deep relationship between physical and uh and and the emotional nature of it uh i guess one thing i've learned over the course of time i my heart's gone into afib uh four times i believe now i maybe i've lost count. Three times of those, I was a pastor working directly with uh, child protective services, and my hands were tied. You know, I, I knew about, and I was kind of, you know, in in this dealing with a child who's literally getting, you know, hurt and beat up, and, and it literally broke my heart. That it went into AFib and then I had to, you know, get shocked back into, into into regular rhythm, and it all happened to me because of stress. It's an emotional, it's it's a, a, a spiritual stress of uh, you know of worry that has this physical um, you know, ramification and, and effect to it. And so the, the poet here, uh, David, gives this acknowledgment of this connection between body and soul. As he says, my bones, my body is troubled, but my soul is greatly troubled as well. So it's an acknowledgment that we're not just you know, purely material, bones and flesh, um, but there's this eternal, immortal soul along with as as well. Um, Isaiah, the prophet, he speaks of it as well. Uh, Isaiah chapter one, describing the people of Israel as a sin-sick body. Um, so here in um, in verse two, the the psalmist is probably having like both forgiveness for the soul of these offenses against God, uh, and also physical healing in mind. Uh, he's just not well, you know, not not sick i kind of reflect upon this last year of uh the pressures and anxiety and the panicking of, of the coronavirus all around the world and, and for us and i think for a lot of people myself included i was never worse more worse off uh, you know physically uh, emotionally maybe even spiritually too and uh and but god's word is faithful and he's uh, supplied for me and, and for many others certainly along the way
0: As we look at this, uh, as you said, there's a connection of body and soul, and I want to touch on that because that really is a very good theme for us to think in Psalm 6, because his spirit is definitely struggling, and that affects your like you said, your own heart and your own physical body and all of that comes together. And what does he say? Oh, how long? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, how long? But I don't want to touch on that. In the other side of our break, we are studying and praying Psalm 6 with Pastor Matthew Worm. And we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Smith, host of Concord Matters, where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. Join us as we read through the Book of Concord and look at confessional topics as learned guests and lively discussion will lead us to appreciate how the treasures of the Lutheran confessions apply in the 21st century as much as they did in the 16th. So join us every Saturday at 10 a.m. Central on KFUO Radio or on demand through the Concord Matters podcast. Until we convene for Concord again, keep confessing, church. And we are back. We are studying and praying Psalm 6 with Pastor Matthew Worm. And Pastor, you have brought up a wonderful connection of the reality that when our physical bodies are affected, it affects our souls. And when our souls are, are hurting, it also affects our physical body, how God has made us body and soul. And I'd really like to hear your thoughts real quick and before we keep moving forward is just the idea of languishing. His bones are troubled. He is greatly troubled. And at the end of that, he says, but you, O oh Lord, how long? How, how do you see the connection for David of body and soul and how it all is being affected in this psalm?
1: Um, as human. Um, yeah, okay, once again, <laughs> with the maxim, right? Uh, of all scripture points to Christ. Uh, what What defines and makes Christianity so different than any other, you know, drawn up, imagined, uh, religion of the world is that our God took on f- human flesh, so the uh, immortal takes on mortality, uh, so that the mortal may take on immortality, right? As, as Paul speaks about, and and so we, we have um, a God who comes to us in the incarnation and in then fleshment, right, to to come along uh, beside us to know our pain, uh, to uh, both physical and spiritual, the the, the anguishing, languishing of soul, as well. Um, and, and to suffer with us, to empathize with us in a perfect way, you know, far better than, you know, some card at the, the, the funeral of a loved one or some greeting at the uh, funeral of, of, you know, maybe your parent or your child, God forbid, or something like that. When someone comes up and you say, oh, I know just how you feel. No, you don't know just how I feel. But you know what, dear hmm. brothers and sisters in Christ, you do have someone who says, I know just how you feel. Because I took on your flesh and I became man, and I suffered and died, and, and I, and I uh, bore all of your grief, all of your sorrows in my flesh, on my body, in my body, on that tree, uh, to grant you hope and strength in this life and strength and uh, life forever lasting. And to, to tide you over, I'm going to give you some hors d'oeuvres. Uh, before the high wedding feast of of, mm. of me, the Lamb, and His kingdom, I'm going to give you my body and blood here in the supper, the Lord's supper, that you might remember me and confess me until my death and resurrection, and ascension, and, and, until I come again. It's just going to tide you over. It's going to strengthen you that you don't, you know, pass out and <laughs> and fade away um, from my words and and, and promises. And so. Uh, so David knows. Uh, I mean, the psalms speak of him being a, uh, or the Scripture does of of him being a man after God's own own heart. That's a very mm-hmm. deep phrase. Everything in there too. So, um, you know, for for David, I think not to confess this duality, uh, um, distinction and union of body and soul, um, it would be you know then the picture of Christ would not be quite as as, as clear. So.
0: He definitely. He presents his humanness. Uh, he, that David was not, obviously we know that he was indeed a sinner, that he had done great things. We hear throughout 1st Second Kings, as we've been studying here on Thy Strong Word, just that he was, a, a like you said, a man after the Lord's heart. At the same time, he was indeed a sinner. But here we definitely see the daily struggle that he would be going through. The, the struggles, we don't know exactly what it was, but we can relate with it in one sense. As you said, we can never tell another person that I've I know what you're going through. Well, no, you don't, and that, that's really not helpful either. Um, but it is something that we do get that feel from him that that relationship with the Lord is such that he is able to say, "I'm, I'm, I'm, I'm at my wits' end right now. I need to be healed, Lord. Where are you? What are you doing?" And you know what? That kind of conversation for me, I will only have with a few people in my life so my my mom and dad probably my my wife uh maybe a few brother pastors or best friends or something like that and and it might be even more colorful than what we're hearing from David today and that to me shows that the, the steadfast love that David knew of the Lord the Lord being gracious to him he had that close relationship he knew as you said so well That God understands, and secondly, that that relationship's so strong that I can bring out these laments as we speak. So any last thoughts on that before we move forward in our verses?
1: Um, Yeah, so David doesn't address God as a judge, right? Uh, If you've been in a courtroom, there's a specific way you are to address authorities who stand over you uh, as they bring their hand of chastisement, of punishment, right, Um, down upon you. Um, there's There's certain codes and, and modes of, of acting and conversing with a judge. But David doesn't speak to God as a judge. He speaks to him as, as a child to a dear father, as, as Luther, you know, talks about in, in the catechism with, um, <laughs> with prayer. Um, and he comes to him very confidently and, and boldly and, uh, 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 and calls to remembrance God's words, a promise to him, his hesed, his mercy, his action. Uh, previously uh, and calls upon his character of, of, of love and steadfast kindness and faithfulness to act in accord for him now to save him from his adversaries. Let's keep going on um, uh, through through our verses here. Uh, we didn't quite finish verse three here about my soul is greatly troubled or my soul is terribly panicked. They used the word panicked earlier here before hmm. um, because just kind of tying it together uh, f- for our hearers to think about the pandemic. Uh, and and a, it's all around the world. It's an epidemic around the, the whole world. But along with that, we a little play on words, but it's the panicking of it all. You know, maybe the Delta, a Delta variant kind of inches up again, and people get thrown into a, a panic again. Well, let us point the finger squarely at our adversary in in all of this, um, and it's not our fellow man. You know, it's not our government. It's the devil who's squarely behind all all of these things uh too. So we we have this um, you know, later verses and we'll get to those about David uh, pointing the finger squarely at the devil uh, as well. But here he runs out of words. He says my soul is greatly my soul is greatly troubled. How long? Uh, well, how long what? You know, how how long uh it doesn't answer. It doesn't go on to describe how long God what will he is this like how long will he be angry? How long will he refuse to help? How long will he stay away? So David is expressing this frustration, his frustration, his despair, maybe even anger. Um And it's kind of an indirect way of expressing, just saying, help me, God. I'm I'm a loss for words. Just help me according to your steadfast love. Um, And then verse 4, he says, turn, O Lord, and deliver my life. Uh, So change your course of action. Um, Look, I'm contrite. I'm flooding my bed with tears, as you'll see in the next couple of verses here. Um, So so release your hand against me and, and deliver me, preserve me. Deliver my soul. Uh, really, and the word here is is the is the nefesh. So it's not like life, like the ELS, uh, uh, ESV speaks of and translates, but it, it's really the the soul. So maybe it is life. I guess your entire wrapped up life of both body and, and and soul as well. But the soul here is the entire person, body and spirit. You know, not some disembodied thing. Um, and so maybe even here he confesses. Uh, you know the the resurrection of the body and the soul in the last day. I'm probably going a little bit too far on that. I don't know, but he says, "Save me for the sake of your hesed, for your steadfast, steadfast love." Mm-hmm. Um, and it brings to mind once again all of God's saving work of of uh, people, saving the people of Israel, his character, his action, his love, his devotion, his mercy, his faithfulness, his entire work of, frankly, following through on his promises uh, to save his people, sometimes I think that's one of the big differences between me and God is he follows through, and I don't don't have the capacity to.
0: Mm, mm. (laughs) And that's very helpful, Pastor Worm, to think of steadfast love. I heard from, Dr. Lessing was on last week with Nehemiah chapter 13, and he defined steadfast love, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. He defined it as the, the kind of love when, a, when someone gets into a relationship that, that maybe is not ideal – And one who stays in relationship when they really should get out. Now you can you can that can be messed up in a a worldly sense and how we speak about that, but that totally represents our Lord who gets into a relationship. Maybe this isn't the best deal, and he stays in it when he probably should try to get out. And that's a relationship that David knew that he was in with the Lord. So he can say, Turn back, where are you come back to me, Lord? You know, I ran out of words, just come back, save me, because he knew of the steadfast love of the Lord. Um, any thoughts on that?
1: Uh, I would probably defer to uh, uh, read the, to Dr. Lessing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so agreement, huh? Got, agreement.
1: He, he's got a, a far better handle. I, I would. Uh, <laughs> I, I know to be sure. Uh, sure. Of the Old Testament and, and Hebrew, but I, I think maybe a nuance of that to pull out is the commitment of it. Um, so, mm-hmm. even though you might not be the most uh, you know content and pleased you know in in a commitment you made say in marriage right um still upholding uh, the, the promises and the vows of of marriage is a good thing um, and a holy thing and and along the way you you get to um, you know be intertwined or or uh, grafted into me i don 't know what to say but um You know, the cross of Christ and and his suffering and his faithfulness to us who are unfaithful. You know, think of uh, the minor prophet Hosea and God's instruction to him to stick with Gomer, you know, even though she was unfaithful as a a picture of the people of Israel who are unfaithful to to God Most High.
0: Let's keep moving forward, 5 through 7, verses 5 through 7. For in death there is no remembrance of you in Sheol, Who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Now, as we hear these words, it is, I've seen it defined as mourning, that this is the the part where David not only says that he's troubled, but he really brings uh, a visual for us of how deep his soul is troubled. What are your thoughts on these verses?
1: Yeah, I think like in the first three, maybe four verses, you have David uh, expressing this emotive state of him, and even getting so far as the, the words fail, and he says how long, uh, to give an expression to this, uh, emotional incongruence um, that, that he has of his experience of it being seeming as though God has turned his back on him and god's word of promise uh, of his hesed, of his mercy of his of his character of of love because David's not experiencing that at at the moment and so his his words fail um and the motions kind of spill out and then he comes kind of to more a a logical argument you know if you will and so you have you know i don't know if you want, You know, type A personalities are very ordered, very logical. And then you have, you know, the emotional ones who are, you know, great friends to have, but maybe not the best ones to run a, you know, uh, a highly detailed organized program, something like that. Um, But here David gets a little bit more logical. He says, well, in death there's no remembrance of you. In Sheol, uh, in the silent place, in the grave, who's going to praise you? Um, Another word, I think, for remembrance would be memorial. Memorial. and you can maybe think about it this way. Like in the news, there kind of, there's this contention of uh, you know, uh, uh, memorials to guys who uh, you know, had slaves or uh, did some sins and some bad things in their past. They're not the super great leaders that they you know, once were maybe put up to be. And so the memorials are taken down. You go around the United States, you stop at these different uh, places along the side of the road, and it's a historical marker. Well, oftentimes it's a memorial. And so David says here in death there's, there's no memorial thing. Like who's going to know? Uh, uh, how is your hesed, your steadfast love and mercy, your salvation, your words of promise, the good things about you, God, uh, how's that going to be communicated uh, to the, the coming generation if I die here? This is just not good. Come on, God, be logical here with me for a moment, right? And uh, and, and release your hand of, of punishment upon me because it's not good for me, obviously. I'm in pain. I'm in agony. And, you know, it's really not good for you either. And so we have this this boldness of David coming before God, you know, uh, as, a, as a child would come before his father, You're like a teenager arguing with mom and dad, uh, trying to be there, you know, every angle of the argument so they can, you know, for them, I guess probably sinfully have their own way. Uh, but uh, but nonetheless, <laughs> you sort of, I think, see, see the picture here. Um, yeah, in, in Sheol, it's a place, like I said, it's silent, where nobody prays, uh, praises you, and he's um, just uh, um a place where uh, the, the praise and the acknowledgement of what God has done has is, is, is been silenced. Um, so uh, moving on to verse uh, 6 here, I guess. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. weary with yep. my moaning every night. I flood my bed with tears. I, I drench my, my couch with weeping. Um, I we, I'm weary. I flood. I melt down. My eye is weak. In the next verse, it talks about that mm-hmm. it's worn out every Every night. Uh, it wastes away because of grief, it grows weak because of all my foes. It becomes dim, you know, swollen. You know, when you, you you weep, your eyes sting, they hurt, they get swollen, different, uh, you know, things like that. It's worn out. But here's the interesting part. Um, because of all my foes, verse 7. And and so I, I really appreciate what uh, Luther kind of did in um, in his practice of praying the Lord's Prayer, where he would say, as Matthew 6 in the Greek has a definitive article for, uh, the evil one, but deliver me from the evil one. And so with David here in the psalm, we can say my eye grows weak because of all my foes. And it's the devil. So the devil might be working through, you know, and his minions through an agency or maybe a person uh, uh, or, or different things like that. But, you know, behind it, it's not flesh and blood that we're battling against, right? That that person, per se, um, who may be you know, baptized, child of God, certainly created in his image as well. But our, we point the finger squarely at our foe, our adversary, uh, the devil. And I think it's very helpful in understanding in, in this picture of, of of where we stand in the universe Uh, underneath God is his created being. Um, And even, you know, but through Christ above the devil uh, and squashing Mm -hmm. him down, um, you, you uh, Luther and our friend Brian Wolfmuller, he's kind of got mm-hmm. a good stick on on uh, making fun of the devil and how the Psalms in uh, Luther would bring it out too. you know, point the finger of the devil and, and, and make fun of him because his power is limited. He's just you know, a deceiver. He's got his propaganda flying around. Uh, but he's he's been beaten down. He's lost. He's uh, uh, he's just trying to make a show for himself and bring us down in, into his grief, too. So so we can laugh um, at the weakness of, of the devil, who is weak, and it's not us who are weak. So then after verse 7, um, you know, the, the psalm starts, uh, starts to turn as he starts to confess, um, and then by his confession, I think also get to experience and feel um, the hand of God coming off of him and, and being squarely placed once again upon the devil. You want to, uh, so let's read
0: hear some those verses here. Yeah, let's. I'll read those verses eight through ten as we get more of a feel. As you said, of the devil's there, but we almost can laugh at him because we know of the steadfast love of the Lord. Eight through ten, depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord Yahweh has heard my plea. The Lord Yahweh accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. And, you know, your perspective on almost we can laugh and point at the devil and say, you have no power over me. I'm standing my ground. I have the Lord on my side. Um, The Lord is my strength um, and the power of his might, as it says in Ephesians. This is very helpful as I read this, because I almost saw this more as a plea, like, oh, be gone, Satan kind of thing. Like it might happen. But he's more saying it is going to happen because the Lord is on my side. What are your thoughts on those last verses?
1: Yeah, so we have the name of the Lord come back here again three times, uh, uh, Yahweh's name, uh, in verses eight, uh, eight and nine, and uh, and so this this confession of David, reminding, uh, putting before God, like before His nose, you know, not the stench of our sins, but His words of promise and and, and the purity of it, and so sort of the fragrance of a prayer. Um, you know the the, the 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 righteousness, the offering of of a prayer, and so he says in his prayer, "Depart from me, all you workers, devil, all you workers of of evil, uh, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping." And so it's uh, you know the sound of the weeping is that you know God is not an impersonal God, uh, but but He really does hear us and accept our prayer. And so when we you know learn uh, in the Catechism of the Lord's Prayer and learn how to pray, uh, we, we we do learn and we have this example 3000 years going on strong of speaking to the Lord out loud of him certainly also knowing the prayers in our hearts and in our minds as, as well but the Lord hears us and that's a confidence we have that they don't fall upon a, a deaf uh, impersonal god of wood or stone um, or a god who's so far above us uh, that we cannot access him no we can't access him through the through the mediation of Christ who's come in our flesh who's given us these words to pray in his prayer, in the Lord's prayer, and then 150 psalms to go along with it as well. For verse 9, the Lord has heard my plea, he accepts my prayer. So this is a, a confidence uh, as well that uh, uh, Yahweh, my prayer he receives, Yahweh will receive it. It's a confession of confidence in the character of the Lord, who is merciful and he acts in justice, for he has heard, he has received, and he will act, period. That's, uh, like he, he can't just you know, uh, agree to disagree and not decide on it. Uh, No, he's God. He's got to act. He he has to uh, act according to his justice and and his character. So in conclusion, then, this is what David says. Ha, when the Lord acts, uh, because he's received my prayer and he's the one who's faithful, uh, all my enemies now, they shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. And so the the greatly troubled here is greatly panicked. So you have kind of this this great bookend sort of thing in the psalm of David starts off with my soul. Verse 3, my soul also is greatly troubled. Vexed, and here now, uh, my soul is in trouble anymore. It's my enemies, the ones who have Aha. pressed against me. It is yeah. they who are troubled, and and so there's this release, uh, uh, very cathartic, uh, <laughs> physical, in uh, a spiritual uh, as well of panic, of uh, the panic is is placed upon the evil ones, upon the adversaries. And if you can kind of think in your mind of battle lines being drawn up, kind of in the old days, you have this force running with their spears and. Swords and arrows and shields against this other force coming to them, um, and, and you know, we play capture the flag around here pretty often for youth night, and it's so funny to watch the kids. You know, like they'll run this way and then turn back and kind of scream and have a good time going back and forth. But here, in a very real way, with the Lord on our side, uh, no longer are we panicking, af- uh, afraid of uh, of our adversaries and our foes who are coming against us. Uh, that the Lord is permitting and allowing for His divine reason that is beyond our understanding. But now the Lord is on our side, and He pushes back our enemies, and they are the one who are fleeing in panic, you know, and dropping their swords and shields along the way, and running and screaming. And and we have, uh, uh, for the praise <laughs> of the Lord is upon our lips, and uh, and th- and this battle marker, you know, a memorial is going to be made so that His praise and and uh, you know goes from 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 generation to generation. That's just sort of the picture I have. So. So all our enemies, they, they are ashamed. They are the ones panicking. And we laugh at the devil. Um, and this happens with the very last word, in a moment. Mm. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. And uh, I don't exactly know if this is like, you know, I think it is, right? Of a pointing to the cross, all scripture points to Christ. But when Christ breathes his last upon the cross, uh, at that moment, our enemies were put to shame. Uh, for they had lost our justification was won uh, our, our righteousness has uh, um, has been granted, and victory is ours so-
0: as we look at this as we look at this psalm, we have two minutes left here, pastor. as you look at this psalm, I wanted to ask you this question before we went. When we hear this psalm, what would be a time that you would Pastorally and for the care of souls in your congregation, and your family, or others, would you suggest that this would be a good psalm for someone to pray or to pray with somebody else, or what would be a good situation for this blessed psalm?
1: I think one thing I didn't talk about here was um, verse six about flooding his cou- his bed with tears and drenching his couch with weeping. You know, there's sometimes in our in our lives when we physically do that. You know, the, the loss of a Uh, of a child you know god forbid something that someone we very close to us or uh, uh, or maybe we you know acted out of character were duped by the devil and fell into some great and and grievous sin and you're just in the depths of of depression and you have david here who's killed his ten thousands who Mm. uh, dances before the lord in his you know loincloth uh, that his ark comes into jerusalem and you also have david who drenches his couch with with tears and so one need not be ashamed to have this emotive display, um, uh, for David d- gives it and does it. And, uh, and the Lord was faithful to him and, and saw him through. And our Lord Jesus Christ, too. Uh, you know, great shows of emotion. So kind of as I speak about all the psalms, in all the psalms we have uh, every emotion known to man in some psalm, you know, one place or another. But I think this psalm really, uh, uh, you know, is, is superb for people, when their name is slandered, uh, um, when uh, they're in a position where uh, the, the forces around them, maybe um, policies at, at work uh, or other things you know, come against them, and, uh, and they're kind of stuck in the middle of it. You know, people who are blackballed, uh, I don't really understand all the nuances of, of that term, but I know it happens. You want a promotion, but you don't get it, and someone underneath less qualified than you ends up getting that promotion, and you drench your couch with tears. You're just broken down. Um, and you can, you know, raise your head back up and say, oh, no, the Lord's just, and, and he, will, he will do what is good and, and what is right. So there, I think there's a plethora of pastoral care situations. I think it'd be good to just commit it to memory.
0: Paul. Pastor Matthew Worm of St. Mount Calvary Lutheran Church in Brookings, South Dakota, helping us to pray God's strong word from Psalm 6. Pastor Worm is great to have you with, a, with us as our guest. A pleasure. Saints of our Lord, keep praying. As Pastor Worm said it so well to us, our relationship with the Lord is founded in his steadfast love. And in this lament and weakness and weariness and grief and all of this, as David turned to the Lord, we also see Christ. He knows it. He feels it. He listens and accepts our prayers. Keep this prayer handy at all times as your name is slandered, because not only do we pray it, we also see Christ. I'm your host, Brady Fenner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of His hands.